Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is a Dude Studios production. And hey, I'm the dude. Are you the type of person that's looking to build your liquor collection in your own home? Then go to Country Wine and Spirits Online Liquor Superstore. But check this out. They've also got a monthly vault membership. It's an exclusive offer. What does a monthly membership tips Country Wine and Spirits give you? Well, I'll tell you. You get free two to five business days ground shipping on all your orders over 50 bucks. Special offers, free mystery vault gifts in every shipment. And if you sign up right now, it's only $19.95 a month for the first three months. And if you sign up for this membership, you get 10% off site-wide on every purchase, including sale items. Plus, as a special with Hey Bartender podcast, you get the 10% off if you join the membership. But if you use Hey Bartender 5, you get 5% off your complete purchase. So you're getting 15% off your entire order if you sign up for the membership, plus use Hey Bartender 5 coupon at check out so go to cwspirits.com sign up for the membership get 10 percent off your entire order free shipping over 50 dollars. plus remember to use coupon code hey bartender five for an extra five percent off you can't beat that deal go to cwspirits.com hi this is steve allen founder of von Payne, and you're listening to the hey bartender podcast <laughs> Welcome back to Hey Bartender Podcast. Today I've got a great guest for all of you. This guy is the founder of Von Payne Whiskey, Steve Allen. Uh, welcome to Hey Bartender Podcast. How are you doing today? Hey, Anthony. Really appreciate it. No, we're doing great. Looking forward to having a great interview today and really appreciate you having me. It's great to have you on the show. It's an honor to talk to you. Funny thing, in preparation for this show, I actually got my uh, my own bottle of Von Payne Whiskey uh, from when we were first started talking. And I oh, just wow. opened it. So you just got your first bottle? Yeah, I have. I've just barely opened it. I haven't tested it yet. Have you tried it yet? No. Okay. Well, I can't go any further until you've had a sip of it because we're going to be sitting here talking for it, uh, talking about it for the next little bit. So let's see what you think. All right. Let's see if we can do one of those uh, ASMR things. I got I got my glass. Got my ice. It's so cool the way it comes out of the gargoyle's mouth. I like that. I could hear the gurgling just a little bit. Mmm. Smells great. Yes, that that tastes very good. Um the uh black currant flavor come uh comes through, but you do still get that whiskey. Definitely the burns there. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a ninety proof 
90 proof product, but it gets, it's a slightly sweet little tart. So it, it takes the edge off of that. Right. Yeah. Uh, very, uh, you do get the sweetness at the start and the tart follows right behind. This is really good. Oh, good. I'm glad you like it. Well, no, certainly appreciate you having us on board and really appreciate your support and getting the product there. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, just to give the audience a little bit of uh, info on, on you before we really get started with the started talking about you is that the bottle itself caught my attention. That's the reason why I reached out uh, to you guys initially is because uh, the bottle is very unique and we can get into that a little bit later. And sure. not to mention the pour spout you have on there uh, of the gargoyle that you can act that you actually use to pour, uh, pour the product out. That's incredible. That's uh, well thought out uh, marketing in my opinion. Yeah. So, you know, we didn't think of it as, as marketing at the beginning, but um, when we put the product together, you know, it just kind of magically appeared to be cool. And we like to say that we've got this dark, sexy edge to it. And, you know, when people first are introduced to the product, they all go, wow. Right. Cause the packaging just kind of pops. You've got the gargoyle on top. And we worked really hard. So it's a, it's a fine detailed sculpted topper to it. But we also worked hard behind the scenes to make it go in the bottle when it's shipped. So if you go out there, you'll see other products that have a topper on them, but none of them are a pour spout, right? So we're the first and only product on the market that has that pour spout shipping with the product in the bottle. And we actually got a patent on the closure mechanism so that it's resealable after you open it and that it ships with that pour spout in place. Yeah, um, when I opened up the bottle uh, just now, this uh, orange uh, orange cap that was on the bottom of it, I was thinking for guys like me that uh, it would take a long time to get through that bottle, but I don't want fruit flies cr- crawling into it. So, Absolutely, and yeah. That, that would pretty much stop all that, and uh, that was a brilliant idea to throw in that too. Yeah. So it's resealable. And, and so as you mentioned, the product caught your attention, you saw it. And we, we, we tell people, Hey, you get three wows with our product, right? So the first time you see it, you see the package, you see the gargoyle top and, and, and you just look at it and it's like, wow, that's a really interesting and cool package. Mm. And then the second wow comes when somebody goes to pour it for you or you go to pour it for a friend and they go, wow, it comes out of the gargoyle's mouth holy crap, had no idea. And, and so that's kind of a surprise, surprise point and a wow factor. And then the final wow comes when you taste it. Because for whatever reason on the market, people have this misguided concept that, oh, it's a pretty bottle, so the product must taste like crap. Mm. And we worked just as hard on the taste of the product as we did the bottle. So literally, I mean, we launched in January of this year, and we already received seven awards. Six of those are on taste. Yeah, um, and believe me, uh, just now I got, well, like you said, when I first saw your product on social media, I uh, I saw, wow, I said, wow. When uh, I saw the videos of you pouring, uh, I said, wow. And uh, you just witnessed my first taste of it. This is the first time I've ever drank alcohol while doing a podcast because usually I oh my gosh and how long have you been doing this show yeah 260 some odd episodes <laughs> okay we're gonna have to fix that I'm well I feel honored and privileged that you tried our product um in your podcast that's amazing that's awesome yeah I've never I usually don't drink I maybe have a coke or something next <laughs> next to me <laughs> 
but uh, yes, this definitely it tastes great, and I yeah the the flavor uh, uh, still uh, lingers a little bit, and I'm really satisfied with the taste of it because it's not a extremely bitter aftertaste. It it uh, it's I don't know how to explain it truthfully. If I knew more about <laughs> talking about whiskey, well, I can bourbons. tell you the the number one comment that we get and you know i don't want to say things on on your podcast but basically wow that's effing smooth right and and that that's kind of the number one comment that we get back because people aren't they're expecting something syrupy or something too sweet and really this is a blended bourbon that's infused with the black currant and it it gives it a you know just a subtle sweetness but the whiskey is still there yeah and yeah, I I actually really like this. Uh, one more sip before we move on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Help yourself. You know, I I think it uh, the flavor improves as it gets colder. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, we tell people drink it chilled. It, you know, there are some people who will drink it neat, but we believe over a cube of ice and you just let it sit there. A little bit of that melted water takes the edge off of that ninety proof kind of mellows the whole thing out a little bit and but it is definitely a solid sipping drink and then there's a lot of creative drinks that we do with the product as well sure so you talk about creative drinks i like to start off my show usually with my guests giving us a drink special today so give us one of your creative drinks with von Payne. yeah so we have fun so the product name is von Payne. so we leverage the name the best we can so you know our to, to start, our slogan is discover the pleasure of pain, right? <laughs> and, and so as, as you're adventuring into this new experience, um, one of the fun drinks we have, we actually call a pain in the ass, right? And it's a twist on a Moscow mule. So instead of making your Moscow mule the traditional way, just use Von Pain in place of the vodka, right? Mm-hmm. And so you're going to use an ounce and a half, two ounces of Von Pain, you're going to put in some ginger beer. You're going to put in some lime juice. And it gives you this very refreshing, slightly tart, you know, it amplifies the tartness. But you get a little bit of that kick from the ginger, and it's a wonderful combination. Anyway, we have fun with it. It's called a pain in the ass. Uh, another one that we like to do, you know, Sunday morning brunch and everything. Everybody's doing mimosas. Well, we have what we call a royal pain, right? And so that's just putting a shot of on pain in your your glass of champagne and you end up with a royal pain for you. So think, think of it, be creative out there and see what you can do with the whole Von pain concoction kind of stuff. No, definitely. Now the, uh, when you call it the pain in the ass, do you spell it P A Y N E in the ass? Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. So that way people can get that identified. Oh yeah. I see what they're doing there. They're having fun with it. (laughs) All right. Hey, I just got an email saying that I got the bottle in the mail. (laughs) <laughs> hey good deal all right <laughs> they're on top of things um okay so von Payne, uh from the conversations you and i've had before we started recording here was something that you was a brainchild that you had but what did you do before uh you decided to get into making your own whiskey yeah so whiskey is not my background right so i, I actually grew up uh a classic calculator on the belt geek Right. So if you can imagine the ultimate in geekdom, that was me growing up. 
And I went into technology space, although my foray into the University of Florida kind of started, kickstarted my adventures into what I would call some fringe cultures and stuff. Um, I, I started off as a bouncer at a punk rock club called the Metro there in Gainesville. Anyway, some good times there. But I started in technology. I grew uh, electronic products. I was in design, really, of a lot of different kind of products that we brought to market. And then at the end uh, um, of my career, I ended up selling a software company that I had started and developed over the course of 20 years. So at the end of that process, I had this idea lingering in the background of my mind. It had been inspired by um, a couple of my children. And it was like, do I go and do tech or do I go and do something that I, at the time I perceived to be a whole lot more fun? So I, I chose fun. Now, you referred to yourself as a nerd. Did, did you play RPGs and stuff like that? or? Well, you have to understand that when I was a kid, RPGs did not exist. Ah, right? So I, I built my first computer. You know, people today say, oh, I built my computer. And basically, they buy parts off the shelf and plug them in slots and yeah. connect the connectors and turn it on and it works. Yeah. Right. <laughs> in my day, when I say I built a computer, I bought computer chips. I soldered them onto computer boards and when, well, you went from ground up. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I, my first programming was done in assembly language where I was typing in F six hex code so that it would move it from register B into the memory. You know, it, it was hardcore, you know, can I make this thing work? So I was fortunate. I had some really good friends in high school. We are all totally nerded and geeked out and we all kind of built computers and robots together. Now, uh, where did you go to school? Was it like MT, MIT or something like that? No, no. So uh, again, I've had a lot of blessings in my life. I, I went to school in the South side of St. Petersburg, Florida, at a school called Lakewood. And today they're actually home of a tech program, but the teacher I had, who brought the tech program into that school allowed me and three other students in his classes to have free time to build and work on computers and to program. And we got permission from other teachers like our computer science teacher. They're like, ah, we can't teach you anything. So yes, you can use that period for that. And so three of us basically got to spend three or four periods, depending on what year it was building computers and working on stuff at school. And it was a wonderful experience, something that I don't think anybody could do today. You know, you may be right, especially with experience with soldering, uh, soldering irons. Uh, I've, oh, well, yeah, I'm talking more in the sense that I don't think a school would ever allow a student not to attend a class so that he could stay in oh, another teacher's class and work on projects. Yeah. You know, that was such a unique, unique experience for us. And yet, and yet, unique and great. That was an awesome experience just because, yeah, like you said, they don't let you skip class to work on another class. Uh, yeah, no. So for us today, they call it project-based learning, right? So in school, you're sitting there in algebra class. Why? I'm never going to use algebra. Why am I sitting here? And, you know, we started building a robot and to move a robot arm and put its hand in a certain position you actually had to know trigonometry. Right. And, and, and so we had to learn trig in order to place the robot arm where we wanted it. And it's like, so it's a great motivator for learning the stuff that you need to learn. You learn mathematics, you learn computers, you learn electronics. And at the end you have something to show for it. So um, obviously I, 
don't want to turn this into an education show, but guys, YouTube isn't any different, right? So when I wanted to create a liquor and create a spirit and create a whiskey and design a, a gargoyle top, I looked up videos on how to do 3D sculpture and I bought a program called ZBrush and it took me three to six months to learn how to mold that stuff the way I wanted, bought a 3D printer and YouTube was my tutor and it was project-based learning, man. I want to make a bottle. I want to make a gargoyle top. And to do that, I had to learn a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, sorry to get so deep into your uh, previous life like that, but I'm, we're just looking for an origin story right now. No, absolutely. And, and, and yeah, certainly appreciate it. And I have to say my background is the whole thing that led up to this, right? You right. know, I got to leverage my time at college, my experiences in design, um, even my travels over to Europe with my wife, you know, the gargoyle is actually inspired from, you know, going over there and seeing the church of Notre Dame and, um, seeing the gargoyles live and that vision in my head of, you know, a gargoyle is really a downspout uh, that protects the church and gargoyles aren't evil. They're really looked at as protectors and they sit there on the rooftop of the church and, and the, it rains and they, it keeps the rain away from the building. And that when I started working on this project, I just thought about, you know, wouldn't it be cool to have, a way of dispensing your alcohol through that. And at the time early on, I thought, Ooh, to make a kind of back up here for a second, cause I'm kind of jumping into how I came up with the idea of on pain, but it was inspired my, by my daughters. That was going to be my and, next question because yeah, you mentioned so, that it was inspired by your kids. So, yeah. So I, I was out boating one day with, with my daughters. They had asked me to go boating with them and their friends candidly to keep them safe because they are drinking age and they wanted to go drink and stuff. I'm like, sure, I'll go along and be the boat captain for the day. And their friends came out with us. Many others joined them on the boat. But when they started drinking, it, they pulled out a handle of vodka and my daughter tipped it up in her mouth and took a swig and put it back down, shook her head like, that's too much. And my immediate response is, what the heck are you doing? And, and she's like, you know, we want to get our party on. I'm like, well, why like that? Why don't you drink real drinks? Well, I don't want to get bloated. And I'm like, well, why don't you do shots of something that's not straight? Well, I don't like fireball. I don't like Jaeger. You know, we don't do tequila. This is easy to do with a chaser. And I, and you know, their friends and stuff are all tatted up and, and it was an interesting environment, interesting experience. And I left there saying, you know, my children and kind of this group of people didn't have a drink that they identified with. Mm. And it just kind of stuck with me. So when I went home, you know, I kept thinking about it and I got online, did some research of, you know, what are popular alcohols? What's out there? What are people drinking? And whiskey at the time was the fastest growing thing that I could find on the internet. And it's like, but traditionally women don't drink whiskey and certainly my daughters wouldn't. And I was enjoying, you know, whiskey and bourbons and my favorite way to enjoy it is with an old fashioned. And, you know, it takes the edge off the bourbon. It makes it very easy to drink and it's a nice sipping drink to have. And I'm like, well, maybe I could create something that could let kids have fun adding the ingredients. So the original version of my gargoyle was a way to add ingredients to it. It actually wasn't the bottle top. Mm. And then I'm like, well, that's way too complicated. Why don't I put it, 
something, you know, blend it with something makes the whiskey taste good and it can just come out of the bottle already mixed up, right? So the original concept? That's how it evolved. So the original concept was actually you were doing like mixers? Uh, yeah, I wasn't going to do mixer. Okay, I'm an engineer, so it was way overcomplicated. So <laughs> the, the the thing that makes the the old fashioned a little sweet is a sugar cube, right. right? And so they put a sugar cube in there. People use simple syrup today, but the traditional way is you use a, a sugar cube. And I'm like, wouldn't it be great if you could put the sugar cube like in the gargoyle's mouth and then pour the alcohol over it and it dissolve and go into the glass. And it'd be a great thing for a bartender to like show off with, you know, how they smoke drinks. Well, here, let me show you this gargoyle thing that I make a fancy drink with. And then reality set in and I'm like, well, that's kind of stupid. No bartender is going to take that much time to do something (laughs) like that. And and then as it evolved is like, well, wouldn't it be cool if it was just a pour spout? And, um, so, you know, as with anything, it's an evolution, you know, it doesn't happen all at once. The vision didn't happen all at once. I could show you iteration after iteration of the bottle and the top and the gargoyle, um, over the course of a year and a half, just trying to design it. Right. And then I had to figure out how to put something in it. And that alone, you know, how, how'd I come up with the current? Well, Honestly, I didn't come up with the idea for current. That was my wife's idea. Yeah. I, I was sitting saying, all right, what's different in the market? What would people enjoy? And one of the fringe cultures that, I, that I'm part of is what I call extreme sports, right? So I skydive, I kiteboard, I still motocross with my son. Mm. And the big sponsor of these extreme events is Red Bull. And I really enjoy Red Bull. You know, it's sweet, it's tart. And I'm like, well, that's different. There's not real, you know, you can order a Red Bull and vodka, but what would be a tart thing that you could put in or infuse or, you know, put it there. And so I'm sitting at the, the bar countertop, my wife's cooking, I'm talking out loud. I'm like, you know, I think something tart would be great if I could figure it out. And my wife literally just looked at me and said, what about black current? I look back at her and I'm like, what's black current? I had never heard of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and so I've got my computer there. I type in black currant and it's a tart, sweet little berry, mostly tart, less sweet. And um, I'm like, how do you know about it? And she's like, well, in high school, I used to scoop ice cream at haagen and we had a currant flavored ice cream and it was very tart. I'm like, so a little more research and it says illegal to grow in the United States. And I dig a little deeper and it's like, okay, it was illegal to grow in the United States till about 2003. Mm-hmm. Well, that just upped the cool factor for an ingredient that I could put in my dark, sexy drink. Right. And I'm like, all right, I've never tasted this stuff. I read stuff. Some people hate it. Some people love it. It's very popular in Europe. They make jams and jellies. And, you know, once you hear something, you know, you become aware of it, right? Have you, Quick question for you. When you buy a new car, do you start seeing that car everywhere? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the <laughs> same thing happened to me. Once I learned about current, literally, I, I want to say is the next day or the next evening, I was out with a bunch of friends and a European woman stepped up to the counter and said, I would like some champagne with current in it. And the bartender looked at her like she had three heads. And, <laughs> what? And he's like, current. I want current in my champagne. 
And he's like, we don't have that. And <laughs> it was like, wow, okay. So I discovered this thing. It's there. Somebody's asking for it. Um, and so I ordered everything I could find. I ordered the berries. I ordered juices. I ordered concentrates. I ordered cans and jellies. And, you know, we, I just wanted to experience it. I found stuff I liked, found stuff I didn't like. And it took about three months to, to infuse it and create a blend that came out. And, you know, of course, my kids are the guinea pigs as they're walking through the kitchen and I'm doing this. You know, here's another batch that sat there for a few weeks and filtered it and let's try this. And, um, well, let's, okay. Let's go back a little bit. Uh, let's talk uh, talk a little bit more about the process because you uh, you basically got this idea that you wanted to get into making your own whiskey and uh, that's and you just sold your software company. That can be scary type of thing because you're you're doing complete swap of your life right there. Well, you know, I did not enter this thinking I was going to go into the whiskey business. Really, oh. I was just like, wouldn't this be cool? And wouldn't it be interesting if I could make a whiskey that women and non-bourbon drinkers liked, right? And and so I went into it with that, and I'm like, okay, I see people playing with whiskeys. So I'm thinking this might be a fun hobby Uh that I can retire to, right? And I'll make little batches of it and have fun with it. And, and, you know, I'll I'll sell it as a little hobby was the concept. Yeah. Now, the whole process, now you said you use YouTube quite a bit. Is that uh, where you learned about uh, brewing your own whiskey or is that, or did you have like a stack of books next to you? (laughs) No. So I'm not a book learner. I read books, um, but my best learning is through visual and audio, right? So Mm -hmm. I love to see videos. I love to learn firsthand. So as the idea was evolving, you know, my wife and I were traveling, you know, so we did the whiskey tours, we did the whiskey trails, we went to Tennessee, we went to Kentucky and we would visit a lot of places. We'd go see the distilleries. I'd watch and look and ask questions, you know, even down, lo- love the Jack Daniels one because they're super simple. They show you the process, but on the day I was there, they were doing a charcoal burn and they were making the charcoal that they filter it with. Mm-hmm. And it was all up in flames and everything. And I'm like, well, that's interesting. Why are they using charcoal to filter it? And, you know, it makes it smoother and everything else. So I'm like, okay, let's go get some charcoal. Right. You know? Um, and, and then I bought tons of different bourbons and I'm like, what, what is this? Cause at the end of the day, if you don't start with a foundation that tastes good, you know, the best bourbon that I could find and have a blend of, you know, it, the end product isn't going to be good. So, and then, you know, so I started with all off the shelf stuff right? and, and I had to start with some higher proof stuff because I was going to be infusing it and adding extra liquid and water to it. So, and I, and it still needed to be at least 80 proof. So I'm like, okay, well, one of my constraints was anything that I use needs to start at 90 or hundred proof so that I can blend it down and, and see what happens. And so just lots of experimentation and, and testing and tasting, not testing, tasting, you know, I would taste it. I'm like, Oh, it's okay. And then I don't know if you've ever t- been on a whiskey tour, no. but by the, by the third one, you know, you've tried flights of all these different things. Your taste buds get a little fried, right? It's like, I don't even know what I'm tasting right now. <laughs> and, and so blending your own product, same thing happens. Okay. I don't even know if it's good or bad anymore. I thought it was good, but the more I drink it, it's just like, I'm kind of fried. So then you get a fresh set of taste buds and okay, 
here's my wife, here's my kids. And eventually, you know, they'd say, oh, that's awful. Oh, that's better. Ooh, I like this one. And so as we started getting to that, ooh, I like this one, you know, it's like, all right, this is getting, so I, I need to make it a little more of a concentrated blend. So it's got to sit there and, and just, the more the better is what it ended up being, you know, instead of just doing it lightly, put more in. And, and so it evolved and, and turned into what it is today where we get a wow with the product. Now, during the uh, evolution of it, the conception from conception to evolution of it, was this all done in like a man cave, your garage? No, to my wife's dismay, it was mostly done on the kitchen counter and the <laughs> kitchen table. Um, and, and then we have this, we call it our Harry Potter nook. So we have some stairs that go up, up to the second floor and we keep a lot of our alcohol in this little closet under the stairs. And so that's our little Harry Potter closet. And my wife had a little desk area in that area. So when I would clean up, I wouldn't really clean up. I'd like move it from one table over into that little desk area. And that's about as cleaned up as it ever got or I'd say almost two and a half, maybe three years. And, and is only when we moved and we recently moved about a month or two ago where I finally had to package up and clean up that area. And that's where you ran into the five year uh, barrel of uh, Von Payne whiskey. <laughs> oh, so, so what happened there? Like, okay, so I'm not a master distiller, right? I don't make any claims to be or anything. I am a blender and I, I have taste buds where I know what I like. And I, and I use my children's taste bud to come up with something. So the actual bourbon that went into it, you know, when I realized, you know, maybe this might make an interesting business and, and you know, I, I'm getting some good reviews. My product's looking good. Um, and I had prototyped a lot using 3d printers and whatnot. And, put it together. And I mean, you can, everything is so in, inexpensive today when you want to get something going, right? right. 3d printers, 1500 bucks. And that's for a really good one. I mean, you can get them for $300 now. Mm. Um, and, and so I 3d printed the bottle. I went and bought a little, um, cutter. It, it's called a cricket. Um, and it lets you cut labels out. Right. And so I designed the label. I bought a foil label and a printer that would, my printer would print on the label and then this cricket thing would cut it out. So my first version I cut out with scissors. I'm like, Oh, that looks like trash. So I found I could buy this cricket thing and cut it out and make a label that looked kind of professional. And, um, you know, it's like, I made up 12 bottles of the stuff prototyping it. And then I held a party with my children's friends and didn't tell anybody that it was our liquor, right? And so we shared it with them and they enjoyed it. They made drinks and they had a good time with it. And we're having dinner with friends and I told them about it. And the friends our age, you know, in their 50s said, I would love to host a party for you. We could do the same thing. And I'm like, oh, well, not really my demographic, but <laughs> sure, why not? Yeah. And so I made up another bunch of bottles basically refilling the ones that I had last time. And we took it and they did a party for us and didn't tell anybody that was mine. And they did a cute little twist. They said, Hey, we're going to have a cocktail mixing party. And we found this cool alcohol we're going to use. So come over, try it and then mix up a bunch of cocktails and we'll vote on the best one. Well, out of my own friend age group, they all liked it. 
And then at this point, my wife was actually saying, well, you know, kids like it, adults like it, you're kind of passionate about it. Um, I, I can get behind you on this. And, you know, anytime you can get support from your spouse, it's a big positive thing. Oh, definitely. So, yeah. you know, it's like, all right, I need to make the next step. And so started researching, where do I get bourbon in bulk? And found different sources and said, okay, well, you know, I, I used a blend of, you know, like Old Forester and some other stuff that I made, you know, my own unique bourbon off the shelf that I thought would be good to go and infuse. And I'm like, okay, well, here's a sample of the bourbon that I'm using. How close can I get to that using these other products? And, you know, found the barrel that matched the spec the best that we could, got samples of that, infused it, and, you know, hey, this is good. This is actually really good. Um, the the stuff that we ended up eventually sourcing from MGP uh, was awesome. And it, it made our drinking awesome. And we, and we didn't buy it directly from MGP because at the time, one of my business relationships, they had a store of some older products um, for a little less money than what MGP was asking for. So it's like, hey, we'll buy this older age product, a little less money, and we'll hang on to it until we're ready to go into production. And then COVID hit, right? And so that slowed everything down. We had to wait a couple of years. And interesting, you know, what happens with bourbon when it gets older in the barrel? I can only guess. It just gets better. It gets better, right? (laughs) It it gets more expensive, but it gets better, right? (laughs) So um, our first batch was aged much longer than what we had intended. Mm, and, and so when we infused it, you know, the product was actually even better by the time we ended up shipping it and releasing it. So that, that was kind of fun and made the whole experience interesting. Well, that, that goes along with what I said, where he accidentally ran across a five-year, <laughs> five-year barrel. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but, yeah. So we had the five-year, it aged a, a couple of extra years while we're in, in, in the delayed process. And uh, I, here, I'll, I'll give you a little sneak preview of what might be coming next. The stuff is turning eight years old that we have a, a small portion of it left. And we might be taking and releasing just a straight bourbon using the eight-year-old stuff because it is so sweet out of the cask right now. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, so the the special blend uh, order... Uh or the special age blend order now. <laughs> yeah. So it'll be, it'll be a barreled strength, you know, uh, limited edition. It's going to be very interesting. We're going to start hinting about it and showing it here in the next couple of weeks. Von Payne whiskey, slightly sweet, slightly tart and a kick that says this is different. Great as a shot, straight up, over ice, or mixed as a cocktail, Von Payne Black makes a statement and is sure to spark adventure. At 95% ABV, this black currant-infused whiskey is guaranteed to give you the wow factor. It will wow your friends. It will wow anybody who looks at your bourbon collection. From its metal gargoyle spout, heavy glass decanter bottle, and the taste that is inside. To order your own bottle of Von Payne Whiskey, Visit the link that's in the description of this podcast, or even follow the link that's in the bio section of Instagram and TikTok of Hey Bartender Podcast. Order Von uh, <coughs> Order Von Payne whiskey today and discover the pleasure of pain. 
Now, for the process, uh, you did a lot of research. You've chosen your uh, your flavor that you wanted to make your flavor unique. Now, for the uh, for the marketing stuff. Now, you said you went out and bought a three D printer. You used a CAD program of some kind to uh, come up with this very beautiful uh, bottle uh, along right. with the pour spout. Now, how long did that take you to really put together? Uh, that's a long time, you know, so you, it, when you're starting from scratch and you don't know something, you, you got to invest some time to learn it. So there were two separate programs that I actually had to learn how to use. One was uh, ZBrush for the sculpting of the gargoyle. And I actually went out and had other people because I didn't, you know, I'm not a sculptor by trade. So I, I went out and hired some, I hired a guy to physically make me a gargoyle and it came back and it was interesting. Um, but not really my vision. Right. And then I hired two different 3d artists. You know, you go on to Fiverr and these other sources. Well, there's ones that specialize in 3d sculpting and stuff. So I went onto that site and contracted with some people to do some 3d models of the gargoyle. And I really just couldn't get my vision across. So I took one of those 3d models and said, you know what? It's about halfway there. You know, it's a gargoyle that has wings, but other than that, it needs a lot of work from my perspective. So the detail I wanted in it, the way I wanted the face to look, the position of the wings, the size of the wings, the little bit of the posing, the details of the toes wrapped around the bottle, um, all those little nuances didn't exist there. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to do this myself. And so YouTube, man, I got on YouTube. I bought ZBrush. It's a subscription. So I'm like, okay, I need to do it as quick as possible. So I'm saving money. Um, but you know, I, I slowly made version after version of the product and then uh, of the gargoyle and then started 3d printing them. And one of the interesting things, the first 3d print I did is like way too big. I'm like, Oh, that's too big. I, I need to make it smaller. And so I made the next one smaller. I'm like, okay, that looks pretty good. And so I took a standard pour spout and I cut it apart and I shoved it up inside the gargoyle so it would pour through the mouth. And the first time I tried to pour it, it went all over the counter because the mouth was facing straight forward. It wasn't angled up like it is in the final version of this product. Right. And so it kind of looped around and went off the edge of the glass. I'm like, okay, nobody would be able to pour this thing successfully. So then I had to rotate the head up and, and make it smooth in such a way. And then the next challenge was the first one, it was just kind of dribbling out of the mouth. The, the mouth wasn't big enough. The opening wasn't big enough. So just iteration after iteration of the, over the course of a few months to get it right. Now, in the case, since you were designing all of this pretty much yourself, well, with a little bit of help from here and there and uh, from YouTube and a couple artists. Now, when you're in the first conception stages of uh, what do I want my product to look like, uh, are you thinking about, uh, am I happy with the way it looks or will the customer think this looks good? Yeah. So wonderful aspect of product development that I going through the background with software companies and other product companies is you go through a thing called focus groups, right? So you, you show your product to people who haven't seen it before and you listen for their responses. And it's really, really hard as the inventor or the designer, or you know, it's your baby. You tend to take a defensive position 
on what people say about it. Oh, and absolutely. so when yeah. you do the, when you do these focus groups, you can't do that. You have to listen to what they say. And so I'd been trained on listening through other environments where I didn't listen. <laughs> um, and so we did a couple of focus groups and you know, the, one of the focus groups was my kid's friends. The other focus group were my, my wife and our friends. And then we did a couple of other informal and formal parties and get togethers and we had asked questions and get feedback. And then I also got to meet with some people in the industry that I would start showing it to. And one of the memorable ones was there, there was a gentleman deeply involved in horse soldier. And I've met some amazing people through this journey that have volunteered their information, very friendly and outgoing, but he took the product, looked at it in beautiful package, beautiful, loved the concept, tasted it. Wow. It tastes really good. And then he starts diving into it and he looks at the label and he's like, it looks good, but why do you have a dog bone at the bottom of your bottle? And yeah, I see you looking at the bottle. <laughs> yeah. There's no dog bone, There's right? No dog so, bone, no. so the label used to be two parts, not one, the top part with the Von Payne and the gargoyle and the black. And then the bottom part, that's the disclaimer or the legalese, if you will, you know, hey, it's a blended bourbon infused with black currant and it's 45% ABV. Yeah. Well, that part was on a separate label and it just, the way it was cut out, I had never noticed it before, but damn, if it didn't look like a dog bone. And I'm, I'm like, I had never seen it, never perceived it. But that was the first thing that he said after he really started evaluating the price. He's like, why have you got a dog bone on here? I'm like, I never noticed that. And so I immediately went home that evening, redesigned the label, and it, it was 95% of what you see today mm. where, okay, I put the little rope around the edges and I made it one label to fit on the bottle. And um, every little comment that people would say, you know, my first versions as we had take it, I'd get some people, Oh, it's too sweet. And I get other people say, Oh, you know, it's this and that. And it's like, Oh, can I adjust it? You know, and we'd make tweaks along the way. And, um, eventually you have to say, okay, you're never going to get to perfect. So, you know, you have to say it's progress, not perfection. It's time to release the product. Uh, yeah. George Lucas should follow that too. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, f I feel the same way when I first came up with the concept of Hey Bartender Podcast. I was running it by some friends because it seems like uh, yours is a great example of let somebody else see it for a second and you, they might see something you might not. Um, but uh, when I started coming up with the concept of Hey Bartender Podcast, it, uh, a lot of friends were, oh, you should totally do a com episode completely drunk or, you know, uh, or, you know just off the wall. And I'm, I'm like, that's not really the, where I picture Hey Bartender podcast going. So there was a period of time where I was like, man, it's my baby. Leave me alone. But, uh, you know, some people actually eventually did, uh, say, okay, I liked this part. This part was kind of sucked. And I'm like, good to know. And exactly, exactly. But yeah, no, it, 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 it you have to go through the sucky phase, right? The first blend that I put together, I spit out, you know, it's <laughs> like, it just wasn't good. And, um, you know, you're using the wrong parts, the wrong products. And I saw one person comment online not long ago is, is like, I, I, I tasted, they put black currant in this thing and I hated it. And, and 
black currant just doesn't taste good. And I'm like, you're right. Some black currant doesn't. And I discovered that and, and others do. And, and, you know, we were very fortunate to find a source where, you know, it's a rich, deep, very good taste. Yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, the samples that I've had so far this episode. Um, <laughs> yeah. You're smiling a little more now. Yeah, I like it more relaxed now <laughs> compared to the beginning of the episode. But um, so once you've moved on to a bottle that you're happy with, with a product that you're happy with, how do you go into production? Yeah. So that's where things get scary, right? So I, we did customize everything. So there was no going and buying an off the shelf bottle for the vision we had. I can't just buy a round bottle and ship Von Payne to meet my vision. So at that point it's like, Hey, I got to contact bottle manufacturers. I send them my 3d drawings, you know, my 3d print files and they send back a sample product. And, um, you know, it was, it was those samples that I originally used to create the prototypes. Um, and I'd say, Hey, instead of sending me three samples, can you send me 12? And then I'm working with three different vendors and I'd ask them all for 12. And most of them would say, no, we can't send you 12. You're just samples. And so they'd send me six or five or eight, but getting it from three different people, they were all a little different, but they were all pretty close. So that's what gave me the what ended up being around 16 bottles um, that I could use for my sampling and stuff as I selected which glass manufacturer that I would use for the production and to get your custom glass. It takes a big check. You know, they want an order of 20,000 pieces to fill a whole container full. Mm. And it's like, all right, that's when you turn to your wife and say, okay, it's serious. Now I'm going to start writing some checks out of our, out of our savings that um, are going to be non-trivial. And, and so really I had to order the glass and the gargoyles. And those are the two most expensive things other than the, the ingredients that go into it. Right. So most expensive thing, the ingredients, second most expensive thing is the gargoyle and then comes the glass. <laughs> so write a few checks and hope and pray. And, and so, you know, that all took course. I expected from the time I wrote the first check to when I thought I would ship my first bottle of product, I thought would be about six months. And about two years and three months later, I think we finally shipped the product. Yeah. Now, a uh, quick artistic question. The gargoyle, is it uh, smelted or is it hand carved or? Okay. So originally it's 3D printed. It is cast metal. So okay. it, it's made out of a food safe zinc. There's no lead. There's no nickel. There, You know, it, it's a zinc alloy that's food safe. And they do what's called spin casting. So it's cast in silicon rubber. They heat the metal up and they spin these molds around and they pour it in the middle of the mold and it kind of goes out with centrifugal force and fills the cavities up. And so there's lots of little gargoyles in a big circle. And um, then they pull it out of the molds and clean it up and grind it down and put a little layer of... Um, Basically, I think it's like an enamel, don't quote me on what they're coating it with, but to give it the darker color there so it's not just pure metal. And, um, yeah, they, they ship it to us, and I can't tell you what an amazing job they did with it. From the first prototype until full production, the company we dealt with was amazing. The, um, uh maybe I've had too much, but uh, you talked about spin casting and all oh, you got all these little gargoyles. I mean, I'm thinking gargoyle army coming out of this, <laughs> but 
It's a gargoyle army. Uh, I can tell you that we just took our second shipment of gargoyles, um, which was a full container full. And I'm staring at stacks and stacks and stacks and stacks of boxes full of gargoyles. Um, and, and it's amazing. At, you know, I, I in selling software, I, I, I candidly, I sold pricey software to a few people. Now I'm selling a very inexpensive product relatively compared to what I used to sell to thousands of people. And it's a different business, right? So I'm not used to having parts that go into things and tens of thousands of them stacked up, right? So it's a learning process. The logistics of getting the product and the pieces you need to make the product, right? So you've got the neck label, the back label, the front label, the bottle, the gargoyle, the shrink sleeves, and it all has to arrive on time for them to make and put it in a box for us to ship it off. And that's a learning experience. And again, our bottler we found locally here in Florida at, at a place called the Point Distillery. Can't say enough nice things about them. Brought it into them. Two interesting tales there. One, the gentleman that runs the place is from England. Um, wonderful guy, very jovial, laughs a lot. And when I brought the product into him and he's like, oh my gosh, I'm literally speechless. Like mm. we have these conversations all the time because they bottle for other people and some really nice brands that they work with. And he's like, I'm speechless. And, and I don't get speechless. I love this product. And says, we're going to make this product for you. And they stepped up and they did. And then the second thing was he called up his master distiller and he brought him up and we went into his conference room and he, you know, I sample the product to them and, and they take a drink and this is really good. And the master distiller, he didn't say, he just said, who made this? I said, I made it. I said, Where'd you make it? On my kitchen table. And he's <laughs> like, all right, I like it. And, and so the owner went to take me on a tour of the facility and the best compliment I've ever had on my product was so simple. The master distiller looked up at me and said, hey, boss, mind if I have some more? <laughs> I said, help yourself. And when I did the tour, I'm like, I went home, I told my wife, I'm like the master distiller wanted more of my product. Coolest compliment I ever got. Yeah, that's a great compliment. Uh, you were talking about the amount of uh, gargoyles, bottles, shrinks, and you know, uh, stickers and stuff that you've got in uh, your facility right now. When you first saw that, I mean, it, when it graduated from your kitchen to bottled and boxed was the truthfully tell me uh tell me was there any anxiety or was there any intimidation thinking oh my god what am i doing every step of the way oh yeah you know it's like look an entrepreneur has got to be able to tolerate the anxiety that goes along with it so it's not that we don't have it it's just i think we have a very high threshold for it right Mm -hmm. So even with my last company, there are, you know, you start, you've got to come up with payroll. You've got to do interesting things that are challenging to most. And, um, you just fight through it. You know, when you get the bad review of the product and somebody hates it, you know, I remember a year before we ever started coming close to selling it, I took those prototype bottles and the stuff that is mixed on my kitchen counter. And I visited at least a hundred restaurants and retail stores. And, and I had contracted with a gentleman who is from the industry and he took me around and introduced me to all these 
store owners and bar owners. And, and it was wonderful because I went in and I just sampled the product like it was available. Like, hey, tell us what you think. And this guy was a seasoned salesperson in the industry, but he had left it a while ago. And a friend of ours put us together and, you know, we spent a couple of months just tasting people, getting their comments back and everything. And it was a very positive experience 95% of the time. There's 5% that just aren't going to like it. You know, they like their bourbon without any flavor. They want it straight. They want a particular way or the opposite side. I don't drink a lot. I only drink beer, so I don't like something that strong. So that's fine. But I met this one older gentleman at a store and he's like, oh, this is just a cheap flavored whiskey. Nobody will want to buy this. And I'm like, heartbreaking. Right. Mm -hmm. And, 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 you know, this is a guy that's owned his store for 20 years and, and he, put me in the category with something that I don't put myself in the category with. I'm like, no, much more expensive. It's blended bourbon. It's this. He didn't want to hear any of it. And you can't really defend yourself. But interestingly enough, a young guy in the wine department, Hey, can I try that? I sampled it to him. And he's like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. And he looked at the bottle. He's like, this packaging is just incredible. He's like, what does this go for? Like 90, a hundred bucks. I'm like, no, we're shooting for around 60. He's like, oh my God, it's only $60. And, and so just the opposite reaction from the owner of the place right. and, and is like, okay, so you can't take anything personal and, and your emotion, literally in the span of 10 minutes, my emotions went from rock bottom to sky high. <laughs> and, and that's the life that you face as an entrepreneur. So to answer your question, yeah, lots of apprehension, lots of concern, you know, I had never shipped anything from China before. Is it going to get here? I'm writing them a big check. I'm wiring them the money. Is it actually going to show up? Mm -hmm. And it did. I mean, and not only did it show up, it showed up with a quality that was just outstanding. And, and, and then once I researched the industry, I found out, you know, it is like every, most people get their glass from overseas. And, and so I was just following the same pattern that everybody else was following. Have you gotten to a point where you, you, know, you stand over uh, uh, these bottles and uh, look at your daughter or, or your kids and say, one day this will all be yours? Or <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so um, that, that's an interesting concept. So all the kids are out there like succeeding on their own and do really amazing things um, uh, of their own. Um, I'm sure there's a point, you know, right now we're still just a two-man operation. It's me and my guy, Tyler, who's my marketing guy out there trying to chase a big industry and, and having fun at it. So, but as we grow, if any of the children want to join and hop on board, that'd be awesome. It'd be a little difficult because um, three of them actually still work for the software company that I sold and they're doing a tremendous job over there. So, um, and, and actually technically they all have non-competes where they're not allowed to come work for me for a year after they leave the company. So. Oh yeah. One, uh, non-compete. Those are, those contracts always throw me off. I, uh, either I don't understand them or just don't think that they're fair, but, uh, well, and, and candidly where Florida is a right to work state, they could probably do it anyway, but you know, we try to respect everything. Sure. Have you thought of future plans for Pain yet or? Well, only as far as that we can, you know, so right now we're in Florida and our, our major distribution is here in Florida and you can order the product through, through a few companies online. So we have online retailers, one of which we host on our website. So if you go to our website at vonpain.com, you, you can buy it from there, but we don't fulfill it. Obviously it's a retailer that fulfills it and they ship it. 
um, out to places. And then we're on and off premise or basically in stores and restaurants in the Tampa Bay area and throughout Florida. And our immediate plans would be, okay, let's start scaling a little bit. We'll go to California, Texas, Illinois, New York, um, kind of hit the big five next year. And then probably introduce one, two at the most new SKUs, but our focus is really going to stay on Von Payne Black because that, that's our signature product and that's the one that we really think is making us, you know, what we want to be. The other ones will be very, very, very limited edition pieces that we just do for fun, right? So, sure. you know, we don't get bored. So a question that I feel bad that I didn't ask in the very beginning, where did the name Von Payne come from? Oh, Great question. All right. So it literally almost starts with a question. So going back to maybe you, have you ever had a point in, in time in your life where you felt different? Uh, every day. Like, okay. <laughs> so I grew up a geek, right? And then I went into the punk scene. Then I go into these fringe areas and every day I feel different. Every day you might say, I don't necessarily feel accepted and this and that. And, um, and then on top of that, I was an entrepreneur. So I'm, I'm here being different in, in so many different ways. And life, when you feel different, can be a little painful, right? You, you feel that emotion in your gut. You feel rejected every once in a while. You know, maybe you don't fit in with the cool kids. I could say that. Um, yeah. And, and it, it's like, you know, you've got that desire um, to make progress. And, and you can make progress. And, and so... I actually had the slogan before I had anything, any concept or idea of what I'd be doing. I knew I wanted to be doing some sort of potential uh, business to consumer product. And the concept was I wanted a fringe product that might be in apparel, might be something, nothing was really coming to me. But the slogan was the, the pleasure of pain or discover the pleasure of pain. Because what happens is once you figure your life out, life becomes pretty cool, right? And so I was a technologist, I was a geek, but man, once I figured it out, you know, I had the freedom that I could go places, do things, run my business. I have an amazing wife. I'm, you know, I actually have seven amazing children and life got good, but you know, you got to get through the painful parts to have that, right? So discover the pleasure of pain was a big piece of it. And then when the, the, whiskey concept came as an inspiration for my children is like, Oh, I can apply that thought that I had to this product and it'd be that dark, sexy, cool product. And my slogan would be discover the pleasure of pain. It could be pain would be the product and it can't really be that. So I'm like, well, it's got this Gothic feel. Gothic is all over in Europe. They got the castles. So I started researching names and titles and dukes and this and that and came across the name Vaughn and I'm like, Vaughn Payne. Man, that is such a great, um, what would you call alter ego name, right? Like, yeah. man, if I were Vaughn Payne, that'd just be super cool. Yeah. And, and, and so that's really how it came about, you know, the inspiration and then it, associating the pain of my daughter kind of shaking off that, that vodka why was she doing that? Well, because on the other side of that little brief moment of discomfort, she felt she could get her party on. And it is like, you know, I'm not trying to encourage my kids or any kids to go out there and, and drink a lot. But if you're a young, responsible adult and you, you want to kind of 
expand the possibility of the night, having a drink or two to loosen you up and, and have a little fun, let those inhibitions down. Um, I think that's a big part of why people are drinking, right? Halloween's coming up and, you know, the big thing about Halloween is it lets our other side come out. Those inhibitions go down and, and you just kind of let a little more of yourself show. Yeah, uh, I remember when I was going to school that uh, there were a lot of people that had that mantra where it's got to taste like bad in order to for, in order for you to feel good, you know. <laughs> and I never believed in that mantra. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, no, and we don't want you know that's not the mantra with our product. Actually, the irony in the whole thing is you don't experience any pain when you're drinking our product. It just comes out nice and smooth. Yeah. Um. Yeah, definitely. I believe that. Um, now let's, uh, uh, before we wrap up here, there's, uh, something that I want to, um, would like to get your two cents in on. There are other people out there that are trying to brew their own beer, bartenders that are experimenting with, uh, their own distilleries, whether it's vodka, gin, rum, uh, whiskey, uh, their own beers. Sure. What advice do you have for them? Okay. It's a great question. Um, learn as much as you can because the best part of the journey is how you expand as a person and, and the things that you learn along the way. Um, and, and then if you have something you believe in, carry it out there and look for the signs of life or not. You know, if it's, if you're getting signs of life, which means yes, Oh, this is awesome. This is terrific not necessarily from your friends and family because, you know, often that can go one of two ways. Your family and friends can discourage you and inappropriately. So like one of my friends said, Oh, that's cute, but you'll never make any money out of it. And I'm like, trust me, if there's one person I want to prove wrong now, it's that friend who made that comment to me early on. Mm -hmm. Right. And, And then on the flip side, you have the people that will wince and it's like, Oh, that doesn't taste good at all, but you're my friend. So I'm not going to tell you that both of those things do a ton of damage. So, you know, the best thing to do is find people that you're not associated with and, and don't even let them know it's your product, right? Just get honest opinions and then take that input back to improve your product to the point where most of the people are saying yes. That's, uh, so surrounding yourself, uh, with the proper people, that's the biggest thing. Yeah. Finding the right people to give you early input. That's honest. I mean, looking for honest opinions that aren't trying to dissuade you. And then if you have a vision that people don't understand, don't rely on experts, rely on the people that are going to be using it. So So early on, a lot of the experts, and by experts, I mean people entrenched in the industry, didn't understand my product. Like I I did an early thing where I'm like, hey, I wonder what the alcohol investor type of people would think. And there's one company in particular that's looking for new brands. So I sent it off to them and they sent it back to me and said, hey, interesting product, but that top is just too complicated and no bartender would want to work with it. And I'm like, so that's your reason for rejecting it is because of the cool top. And mm. for me, the whole vision of the product was built around the flavor of the product and the cool way it comes out. And, and so I'm like, I got to skip that opinion. I believe my passion and the responses that I'm getting from the people who are going to buy it 
outweigh their opinion. Definitely. It wasn't so much that I surrounded myself with people, uh, uh, you know, getting advice from people like you to help this podcast get a little bit better every day. A lot of the stuff that you said is encouraging for me just for my podcast. Um, And I told you before that uh, there was a guy that told me, gave me two pieces of advice. One, never eat a sleeping pill and a laxative at the same time. (laughs) And two, uh, just keep going. Eventually people will come to you. And uh, that's, that's probably uh, the best advice that somebody's given to me, but one yeah, that I, I agree. I think a lot of people underestimate the effort that it takes to take hold of something. So you have over 250 podcasts under your belt already. Mm-hmm. Right. And now people will start coming to you. You know, we've been selling our Von Payne product for about 10 months now. And at the beginning, it's an uphill battle. Now we're getting calls every day from all over the country saying, where can I get this product? And our sales Lily, at the beginning of October, now that season's hitting are just starting to skyrocket. And, and it's so fun to watch because at the beginning you're unsure of yourself. You're not sure where you're going. Is this clicking? And you just got to keep going, keep going, keep going. Mm-hmm. And uh, another really important piece of advice that I received was from an episode of Mythbusters where he, uh, Adam Savage actually said the difference between uh, doing the work and screwing around is writing it down. And Oh, there you go. Uh, I've run into that where I, I'll be sitting there and I'm, oh, that's a nice drink. I may feature that. And then a day or two later, it's crap. gone. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I think writing it down, I mean, writing everything down, keeping a journal is super important and, and taking action. I think, you know, if, if you want to do something, it doesn't matter if it's going good or going bad, you have to take action, especially if it's going bad, right? Don't get discouraged and hide in the corner, pull your pants up and go attack it and, and figure it out because I'll guarantee you're going to hit an obstacle that you do not know how to solve. And the only person who's going to solve it is going to be you. Definitely. Well, we're coming up on last call, uh, Steve. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for, uh, well, I'm going to admit to the listeners here, this is take two of this interview with Steve uh, because the first time didn't work out so well. But, um, but well, It only didn't work out because you had faulty recording equipment, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I really appreciate you taking, uh, taking the time to be on Hey Bartender Podcast. Um if people wanted to learn more about Von Payne Whiskey, if they uh, wanted to contact Von Payne Whiskey, how would they do that? Yeah, so super easy. Von Payne, P-A-Y-N-E dot com. Um, easy way to get in touch with us. There's a contact form there if you want to reach out to us. Um, really, at the moment, it's the Steve and Tyler show. Um, so I, I'm the founder of the company. Tyler's the head of marketing. And we welcome anybody and everybody to reach out if you have any questions or need any additional information. That's great. Um, yeah, I, I visited your website uh, recently before I got the bottle and you actually have a very detailed video on how to uh, open the, the bottle of Von Payne whiskey. And, and I love that. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we did it just because there are a few people that are like, you know, before you buy the product, it's self-evident. There's actually a little hanger on it that tells you how to open it. You know, it's basically take the wrapper off and pull the red stopper out. But 
You know, we wanted just people to understand, hey, this is why the product ships with it on and how you can reseal it. And, and so, you know, it's been working for us. Yeah. Well, it's definitely a very tasty. I, I, I'm going uh, to sit right here and tell everybody right now. It's a very, very good whiskey. Uh, sweet oh, and tart, like you uh, like you talked about. And the, uh, the, uh, the bottle itself, uh, I'm sure people... Uh, People, once you uh, they look more into Hey Bartender podcast after they listen to this interview, uh, they'll go look into it because it's a very unique bottle, very eye catching, and luckily the product inside it is good because a lot of there's a lot of people out there that believe if the bottle's cool then the stuff inside's not that good. But I'm going right. I'm going on record right now that the stuff inside is great. Well, thank you, really appreciate it, Anthony. And um, yeah, we, we we simply say you come for the bottle, you stay for the whiskey. And really enjoyed my time with you today. Really appreciate you going through the process. I don't often get a chance to tell the story in this much detail. Most people want a one or two minute clip, so having the opportunity to sit down and go into the background and everything. I really appreciate it. Well, it's, uh, that's what the show's about. Uh, you know, we, uh, it's a conversation, you know, it, I'm not Jimmy Fallon or anybody or anybody like that, where you got three minutes go, you know? Right. Right. <laughs> but anyway, thank you so much for coming back on, uh, to Hey Bartender podcast. And I hope to hear from you again soon. Sounds great. Well, I really enjoyed being on here and Anthony, you have a wonderful, wonderful week. And that's last call, people. Last call for alcohol. Come on up to the bar real quick because I'm closing. Big thanks to Steve Allen, founder of Von Payne Whiskey. I just ran across them on Instagram, and I was automatically curious and had to give their product a try. And remember, people, if you want to get your hands on a bottle of Von Payne Whiskey, look at the description of this podcast, and you will find a link where you can directly buy your own bottle of Von Payne whiskey if you are not in an area where they sell it. And I pretty much think that they're only available in Florida right now. But give them some time. I'm sure they're going to start spreading very fast. Big thanks to Laura Hope and the Arctones for letting me use their song, Dr. Bartender. Uh, go listen to their music on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you uh, listen or download your music. Huge thanks to all you people that follow me on Instagram, TikTok, uh, even the people that talk a little bit of shit about me, I appreciate you guys too because you took the time to sit and watch the video, whether you like it or not. If you want to follow me on Instagram or TikTok or even Facebook, it's all at Hey Bartender Podcast. New episodes of Hey Bartender Podcast available on Saturdays at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. And remember, people, if you want to be a part of Hey Bartender Podcast, if you've got some stories to tell or you just want to get something off your chest, all you have to do is email me, dude, at heybartenderpodcast.com. If you just have a question or you actually want to be on the show, email me, dude, at heybartenderpodcast.com. We'll either read your question or statement on the air or we'll uh, bring you on the show. I love to have guests on this thing, especially people from the service industry that have success stories. That's my favorite. But until next time, people, as usual, I wish you all lots of love, lots of sex, lots of happiness. And remember, don't take any shit from anyone. Good night. What do you mean it's let's go? I just got.